0: Trademarks owned by Beckley. SAB, the CV. Copyright 2024. Proximo. Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.
1: We're presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official
2: sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code DAN for a special offer when you sign up. That's code DAN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook.
1: I haven't had a lot more enjoyable moments than seeing a clip very quickly of this man on the view landing in the middle of the view and just making arguments as he does in in his book, allow me to retort that I imagine appalled everyone who was there in some ways, because you simply said something matter of factly, as you've said it in your book. And as you said it in a segment with Billy Corbin, that uh, the, The Founding Fathers was a negotiation between terrorists. These were not your words. These were Billy Corbin's words. But basically, there was no minority representation in the founding, in the documents that founded this company, uh, this country. I said company, but yeah, it's the same thing. And you mentioned, among other things, that when... South Africa was faced with apartheid, that they simply ripped up the document and started over because apartheid is appalling. And I just wanted to have you on to talk about your book and that appearance on The View because you were met with what? That does not seem necessarily like uh, the audience. I may be wrong about this, where that lands uh, delicately, your shocking claim that we need to tear up the documents that founded this country.
2: I thought it went off swimmingly. I was, I was really happy to make that art. I was like, I was sitting on the view, which is a show hosted by women, right? So it's me, a black guy, Sonny Hoston right next to me, a panel full of women. None of us, none of us on that dais were allowed to have a say in the constitution. Nobody who looked like us, nobody who represented our interests were allowed to have a say in the constitution or any of the Constitution amendments or ratifying any of the constitutional amendments. And for the most part, not how to say in interpreting the constitutional amendments, there have been 115 Supreme Court justices, 108 of them have been white cis hetero males. So so I thought I was in a perfect uh, place to make the, I think somewhat self-evident argument that the Constitution is kind of trash, right? It's, it's, not, it's not the best, like this, it is not the best we can do as a society.
1: You are advocating basically for written documents that actually espouse equality because they are written by people who are considered equal. It's by itself, it's not exactly a shocking cry for anything controversial, but I have found myself all the time in the language around some of this stuff, Ellie, whether it's Black Lives Matter, not Giving over the verb matter. It can't that matter. We have to make it about Marxism and something else that when we talk about Tolerance just simply tolerating is the bare minimum and then tolerance is rejected I don't think you're making shocking arguments by simply saying if America is really America what it's founded on Why wouldn't you give people equality? But every time there's a cry for equality. I hear it shouted down with no you can't be equal.
2: One of the arguments I make in my book, Dan, is that if you honestly think that the Constitution as currently kind of uh, written and interpreted does not include the full and equal rights of gay people to marry, um, of transgender people to go to the bathroom, of, of all of these other things, if you honestly believe that as a matter of constitutional interpretation, then why aren't you spending every single waking minute of your life trying to amend the document so that we can get to a more free more fair and more equal uh, union right like why isn't that your life's work right it's not my life's work because i think that we can interpret the constitution right now um to give those rights to all people but if you think i'm wrong then by all means, like pick up a flag and let's go and let's change this document that you somehow think doesn't actually give equality um, to whole, to huge swaths of people in this country, right? I think part of the reason why people get so like, eh, about it eh, being my my legal uh, Latin phrase. Uh, for, Just Of, of the tight, tightening role. chest,
1: crossing your arms, clutching yourself in pain. Uh, because what you're suggesting is way too blustery rhetoric, that you uh, you are offending a, a holy belief in an America that thinks of the flag slightly differently or a lot differently than you think of that flag.
2: People think that the Constitution was handed down by God, right? They think that Moses went up on a mountain and God's finger and it wrote and it was like came out with the Constitution and 27 amendments, right? And that's where it becomes important to think critically about the people who wrote that document and the manner in which they wrote it, right? We're talking, it, that's why I always bring up, like, we're talking about fundamentally slavers, colonists, some white people who were abolitionists who were nonetheless willing to make deals with slavers and colonists. This is not like, again, this is not a controversial position, right? George Washington, founder of the country, great Cincinnati of America, was the largest slaveholder in America at the time of the revolution, right? Just straight up, like the person with the most slaves was George Washington. That's why he was rich, folks. So he's he's kind of pointing that out and thinking like, maybe the guy who literally had a false teeth made from the teeth of his slave, maybe that guy and his friends again, do not represent the very best that we can do as a society, right? People are like, oh, well, it was the best they could do at the time. No, nope, no, it wasn't, nope, that's not true. Like there were people in real time being like, slavery was wrong, John Lawrence, right? Slavery was wrong, we, we, we shouldn't do that, right? You, you also know, and, and this is a point that, that white people really have a hard time kind of coming around on, like, you know who also knew that slavery was wrong in real time? The slaves. If anybody had asked them, <laughs> the slaves. Would have said no. no like I, I said again, I said out of you, Like it's not like the slave was sitting there, like, well, well, you know, massa. What what we needs is for no 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 taxation without representation for massa. That's that's this king George, He needs to be stuck. Nobody said that. All right. That's not. They didn't actually ask the people who they were making the deals on the backs of. So there were lots of people in real time who knew what the American slavers were doing was wrong. And 250 years later, we are in a position to do far better than what they did.
1: You say these things matter of factly, and there is a lot of fact in what it is that you're saying, but you are viewed as someone who is uh, a left extremist, correct? That is blaspheming against American principles. And you are on the direct opposite side of whatever it is that's happening in this country in a race and culture war.
2: Yeah, I think I actually literally last week got disavowed by the White House, um, which is pretty awesome, because <laughs> they because I think they literally asked Biden, do you think the Constitution is trash? And he was what's was he going to say? The president, right? No, I don't think. Right. So I think I've been disavowed by the White House. It's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I I again, I, I don't. I, my positions are not actually all that outside the mainstream of where. Kind of legal thought is and really the positions that we're talking about right now are not my most extreme positions like the the idea that the constitution is not the is not the the pinnacle of freedom and success around the world which it ain't is not all that controversial um my actual controversial positions like you know we shouldn't have confessions as a thing like i have actual controversial positions but we, we rarely get we, well, to well right? we
1: can get to the, your extreme positions i don't want to get stuck here in fact i've spent five minutes here longer than i would want just because i want to talk about why you wrote allow me to retort and i want to talk to you more generally as someone who has lived in this country and has some expertise with both history and journalism talking to bomani jones last week i was shocked That I've been talking about race as a problem in this small, small, tiny playground sphere for a long time, and I vastly underestimated the problem. Bomani Jones admitted that he too vastly underestimated the problem, and that he had recently talked to Tanahasi Coates, who can go dark sometimes, and he had underestimated the problem. As you saw everything that happened in this country in the last five years, did you? underestimate the race problem that we had in this country
2: oh yeah oh yeah and i and i've i've i'm on record i've said that from where i sit the people who were most surprised about well the people who were most surprised were like you know white liberal suburban oh my god they elected a crazy but yeah the, they were the, but then the second level of people who were most surprised was this kind of like group of Black, intellectual, college-educated kind of people, right? Because like we, you know, we've studied the racism, we understand like the deep roots and the history of it. But like at some point, at some basic level, like going into 2016, we're like, Ch- Chad's not gonna elect Donald Trump. Come on, right? You know who weren't surprised? Poorer um, African American males, poorer black males. Like literally when Trump as Trump was 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 running, you know, my black friends from the old neighborhood who did not have my educational opportunities were very much like told you Chad was never your friend. And then black women generally were like told you about Becky." Like black women were not surprised that over 50 percent of white women voted for Trump. Twice that that kind that comported with their lived experience in this country. So it really was kind of my class, I think, especially we were just like, oh, my goodness. Um, and that underestimation, I think, comes from, you know, I, I don't want to sound naive, but it comes from a sense of, of hope. Right. It comes from a sense of goodness. It comes from a sense of like you just you just thought that some of these things that people said to you over the course of your life that they weren't lying about it. They actually did believe that we should, you know, have, let's say everybody vote, right? Like in 2006, the Voting Rights Act that has been eviscerated by the current Republican Party and the current Republican Party will not support it at all, um, passed the Senate like 96 to zero. George, he doesn't care about black people, Bush, signed the reauthorization of the Voting Rights Act. Ronald Reagan, patron saint of Republicans, um, expanded the Voting Rights Act in 1982. So like to go from that to like, actually no, screw the Voting Rights Act and, and it's totally okay to have, um, you know, lines and you can't bring people like water and all this, to go back to that, to go back to basically where you are in, in DeSantis land, that, that's a bit of a, you know, that, that, that'll give you some CTE. Right there, because that's a big change.
1: We will talk about DeSantis land because I just am perpetually embarrassed by what it is that's going on in my state. But I wanted to ask you, we talked to Sarah Ganim and some of the Pulitzer Prize winning work that she has done In investigating some of the stuff at Penn State and we were talking about the hatred for the media and I asked her why do people hate you and she said well they don't hate me they hate the idea of me the idea of a nefarious media showing up and doing whatever nefarious media does I underestimated how easy it would be to weaponize fake news and how much people hated the media but I've got the broader question for you why do they hate you Ellie, not your opinions or that you can be bombastic or that you're really confident and a confident black man can be viewed as threatening in this country. But why do they hate the idea of you? Not your profession, but why? Give me the history of why so many people would not care that Trump was being racist because they hate the idea of you.
2: Because I'm smarter than them. I mean, I mean, like, I I know it sounds like I'm being super good, like because I'm smarter. Right. And because they can't easily feel better than me. Um, this goes, you know, there's a Lyndon Johnson quote: like, as long as you tell a man that he's better than another man, you can you can pick his pocket, right? Like one of the benefits of being white in this society, one of the privileges of whiteness in this in this society, is that you can more or less walk around your life, no matter how crappy it is, and feel better than an entire race of people that's that's one of your that's what's on your little white privilege card. Right. And when black people show up in your life that challenge that assumption that you're better than that, challenge that assumption um, that the world was bequeathed to you. When you see a person like me or Barack Obama or James Baldwin or Ta-Nehisi Coates, Or Mike Tomlin. When you see those people, those people anger you because it's not so easy to just walk around and feel like you're better than those people. And that's where a lot of this stuff starts, right? That's where a lot of that, that Donald Trump is in, from my perspective, Donald Trump is impossible without Barack Obama. Right. It, it is it is it is the it, Donald Trump rises up as the proof to the mediocre whites in this country that actually the presidency is so not important because we gave it to a black guy that now literally anybody can do it. And that's how they come to supporting a mediocre a, a lying con man um, with no skills, with just no provable skills, except for in bankruptcy, um, to be the president of the United States. It's, it's if you can have it, then it can't be worth anything mentality. That is part of why Trump Trump got elected and certainly part of why why so many, you know, if you've ever looked at my Twitter feed, certainly some of why I get so much pushback. Right. Because. I'm, I'm not, and you know, I'm one of those black guys who's not ashamed about being smarter than the average bear. Um, I, don't, I don't really try to hide that. That's kind of part of my, that's part kind of my thing. Um, and that, so you get, you get a lot of pushback for that.
1: I want to ask you about the job that Barack Obama did, according to you, but I need to find out what else is on this white privilege card. I, with the card <laughs> that they hand you, I need to know what some of the other things, what some of the I- other items that I can find on this
2: card. Well, pull like this, whatever is happening to white people, black people are getting it worse. Like that's, you know, there's the old line, like, you know, when, when white people catch a cold, black people catch a flu, right? So like anything that you like that you see it's again, white privilege does not mean because you are white, you are doing better than every black person in the world. That's, that's not what it means at all. What it means is because you're white, you are doing better and have less obstacles than a similarly situated black person in your world, right? So, like if so, another thing that would be on the on the apocryphal white privilege card, if you go into the publics and you don't have any money and you <laughs> walk out with a banana, there's you know a good chance that you will get caught for shopping, but there's a decent enough chance I'm like it's a banana lender, right? If I walk into the Publix and walk out with a, a banana, there's a chance that I'll get caught for shoplifting, there's a chance that they'll be like, Oh, you know, he just needed a banana. And there's a chance that the cops will come and shoot me. Right? That 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 last bit, that's not on the that's not in the list of possible consequences. White people have for stealing a banana. That's in the list of possible not definite, but possible consequences. I have for stealing a banana. And that's, that's how that privilege works
1: how do you think the- don't
2: just just kids do not steal bananas or crab legs or what just don't just just don't steal just that just be good be good yes just say no just yes, theft
1: to, to, to do not break the law that is correct he's not advocating for that uh, we don't need any proof of what it is that he's alleging but i have heard some people in positions like yours want barack obama to do more for black people with the amount of power that he was given. And the subsequent backlash has been um, hurtful, at least in part because more wasn't done with the power when he had it. And so I don't know your opinion on this and I wanted to ask.
2: Right, so first of all, let's go back to where you were with Bomani. We're like, oh my God, this is even worse than I thought, right? Because during Barack Obama, before I thought it was as bad as it was, I was like, come on, man, let's go. You have the opportunity. After I'm just like, whoa. Yeah, that boy, Lucky, he didn't get shot. Right. Like just it, it just the whole like Obama always acted like he was more constrained than I thought he was until I realized maybe he was more constrained than I thought he was. Right. So kind of retroactively, I was kind of more of a critic. Weirdly, I was kind of more of a critic of Barack Obama in real time than i am now um but obviously because of the field that i focus on because of my industry um i think that the kind of unforgivable failure or or, or the, the the most evident failure for obama was his lack of focus on the courts until it was far too late right uh, trump has gotten in there boom 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 226 federal judges in just four years. Biden first year, 50 federal judges in his first year. Obama was like 10, like just not nearly as much in his first year. And then he started to ramp up, but then McConnell took over the Senate in 2014 and shut everything down. Obama's failure and his White House's failure to to quote his first chief of staff, Rahm Emanuel, when asked about whether or not they were going to be aggressive for the judges, he said and i quote i don't give a fuck about judges like that was his actual quote right so like mm, that mentality i think has really held has 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 limited what could have been some of obama's long-term effectiveness and successfulness um in this country he never he never captured the third branch of government the way Trump captured it, the way McConnell has captured it. Um, and we still kind of pay those prices today.
1: How much do you fear for democracy?
2: I mean, Dan, let's let's go with the, your, your family. You trace back to, to Cuba, right? I I can trace my roots back to Haiti. There's a level that I'm not afraid of. right? <laughs> like, like I see what's happening in Haiti and I see what's happening here. I'm like, I'm not I'm not afraid that we're going to fall all the way back down that slide. Right. Um, And so I try to remember that the range that we're talking about is still kind of fundamentally better than, you know, again, where where my family uh, uh, can come from. Um, That said, if you look at the range of like Western industrialized democracies, I'm very afraid. Um one of my uncle, who's a philosopher and, you know, study uh, specializes in, in West Indian philosophies, um, always likes to point out the problem with America is that we've never lost our democracy. So we have no idea how to defend it. Right? Germany, they've lost it. England, they've lost it. France, they've lost, right? All these places. And so they have a much different sense of what it takes to defend robust democracy um, in, in the old world where democracy is not a given in the new world in our country democracy has always been kind of a given we act like it's our birthright and so we don't really have a great idea of how to defend it from the obvious attacks that authoritarian republicans are making on it and so our inability to defend to defend ourselves is kind of a huge problem so i look at you know i'm i look at merrick garland i'm like his inability to bring some of these criminals to justice is a problem I look at the mainstream media I think their inability to adopt a pro-democracy bias in their coverage is a problem right um, th- those kinds of things are what authoritarians in other countries have taken advantage of um, you know you know what they say a coup that is not punished is just practice for the next one
1: You must be looking at what is happening to mainstream media and newspapers and journalism and reporting and be wondering... Do you not realize that we're in a fight here and the clinging to objectivity is just going to get overrun by people who do not care about your objectivity and are going to they're going to redistrict and they're going to have federal judges and your objectivity isn't going to sound like shouting. You're going to keep reporting facts in the face of an argument that doesn't care about facts.
2: I feel like the media sometimes it's like it's reporting on a chess match. Right. And it's like. Um oh uh, uh, Jim has moved uh, queen to b4. Jack has moved rook to c7 and Jim has flipped over the board. Jim is now taking the board and he's beating Jack about the face and neck with the board. Um this is a this is a great strategy but Jack did not see this. Stri- like what are you doing? Like the, it's not a game anymore. You're you 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 transition from reporting on a on a contained stylistic fight to reporting on a on an assault and a and an attack using the same tone of voice, using the same structures as if it's the same story. It's not. It's a completely different story now, and you've never caught up, right? So that's kind of. At 3,000 feet, that's the problem that American media has right now. They still, you know, to, to quote one of my uh, uh, favorite lines ever, they don't know it's a damn show. They think it's a damn fight, right? That's how Republicans are. Republicans are the Rocky in this situation. And Democrats are Apollo. We're, oh, oh, we're you know, we haven't felt, you know, we're about to get knocked out. And we don't have that level of the, the grit, if you will, um, right now to get into the battle.
1: If I had gone to you when you were in college and said to you, hey, in 2022, you're not going to believe this, but Tucker Carlson is going to be a thing. The collegiate you who was studying to become the man that you would become and uh, and would learn a lot about America just based on walking around as a black man. You would have said what to me as a college student if I just presented to you the the idea that a cable show could be popular doing that.
2: First of all, you're giving Jose Cuervo a lot of credit for, for what I was doing in college, right? Yeah, studying absolutely all the time, Then um, I'm just but.
1: talking about when you, I mean, you obviously aspire to be somebody who is thinking critically who is testing boundaries who is having uh you know you found your voice long ago i don't know maybe it was before college but i just assume that that is a time when someone who chooses your path is doing some of the most substantive growing am i wrong in assuming that
2: no no but here here, here's here's a good way of putting it so um, one of my real interesting early life conversations when I first started blog, when I first started writing for a living, um, I had a drink with Andrew Breit- Breitbart, like the actual, the original Breitbart, Steve Bannon now runs it and whatever, like the actual conservative, uh, uh, you know, I don't know what you call him, crazy person. Um, and we were talking about our approach to, to media and to writing, and we were surprisingly, you know, we completely disagree on, 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 so many things. Right. But in terms of like what the job is, one of the things that we agreed about was the need to be authentic in our writing and our columnists and our reporting, right. That the, 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 the mainstream media adopts a false neutrality when they're not actually neutral. And, and so instead of adopting that false neutrality to really kind of not lean into our biases to the point that we're blinded but to to put our biases on our sleeve right to like look this is this is what i believe and you can expect that my reporting is going to reflect what these things that i believe and how that was really important and a key to our success Um, uh, uh, what bright or the actual breitbart and what i didn't kind of anticipate and this is like you know very early 2000s right what we didn't anticipate at the time was that something wholly inauthentic Something that was wholly manufactured could become so powerful that we kind of would have both thought, I think, that eventually the people would see through the facade and understand that they were kind of just dupes or marks in the larger Rupert Murdoch game. Right. Um, and not and not only have they not figured that out, but you can't tell them they don't care. They 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 are so invested in it that. You, it's like waking a sleepwalker at this point. they they'll more likely to be violent than they are to un, to, to, to be shocked back into reality. And I think that's what I didn't anticipate. That that, that, that it's, a, it's an old saw, saw, though, right? The bigger the lie, right? I didn't realize that that was really true, that if you just lied bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where you're Fox News, that it would be more and more and more effective as opposed to less and less and less effective.
1: Bigly, lie bigly is all you have right. to do. That's what would work if I went to you and Breitbart in 20, 20 years ago and just what what's the key to winning in politics? Just lie bigly.
2: Trump has open contempt for his for his supporters, like open contempt for his supporters. And it doesn't matter. And I, you know, I just I, I, I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't have thought that.
0: do 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 do. A lot has changed over the years. But one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Man, we was just watching Celtics versus Nuggets last night. And the catalyst to the party, the vibe, the vibe changer, the mood increaser, was the Miller Lite cooler in the middle of the living room. Salute to Miller Lite, man. And when you're out having a great time, oh my goodness, you want to reach for a beer that's reliable. And I cannot name, think of, or even ponder a more reliable beer than Miller Lite. Can you dig it? Times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite. Hmm, tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash beach. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Yiddick!
1: I want to talk to you about a few sports things. And again, I want people Ooh. to know about your uh, book, Allow Me to Retort. Uh, let's start with the Bills stadium deal. The deal, I thought we were done with stadium deals. I really did. I thought that the last one had been made, but the Bills got themselves a quarterback and now the Bills have got a bunch of taxpayer money going into the only thing anyone associates with Buffalo. I guess it's that and chicken wings.
2: Uh, there's a there's a waterfall up there, it? Uh, um, yeah, 2000 wants its uh, boondoggle back, right? Um, so in my book, I write about the Fifth Amendment's taking clause. I write about the power of eminent domain that the government has. And they use this power often to make stadium deals, to buy the land from action. You know, so the government comes in, buy's land away from citizens many of whom don't want to sell on the cheap they say that their their land is a slum they say their land they 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 do condemnation hearings on their land so they can get the land on the cheap and then they sell that land back essentially to the billionaires so they can build a play palace right like and that's That's okay constitutionally. It's one of the reasons why I say the Constitution kind of trash. We should probably do something about that. By the way, for people who think that I'm just some crazy liberal, my position that I just stated is what Clarence Thomas believes and other conservatives On the supreme court they too are skeptical about the government's use of eminent domain to then take the land and then sell it to private developers for private interest that is a conservative position that i have just said so you know wake up but anyway the way that that happens in the bill situation is that the bills they already had the land i mean i don't want to I don't want to disparage my home state up here in New York, but like there's land up there to do stuff with, right? Um, But remember the reason why the new governor felt compelled to make this sweetheart $1.4 billion deal, I believe, uh, to keep the bills there is because they were threatening to go to Austin. And so that, and so the, the eminent domain, remember, it can work in all these different ways, right? So if Texas is willing to steal land from people and give it to corporations, well, that means that New York then has to play, pay an even better sweetheart deal to keep their team. And this happens obviously all across the country in so many ways. It's why stadium deals are so bad because it's kind of always a race to the bottom. It's always which community is so desperate that they're willing to give the owners, the billionaires, the best deal possible to steal a team or keep a team. It's it's a bad, it, it, honestly, I think that the, the acquisition of land for stadiums should be straight up un- unconstitutional and that we would be better off as a nation if we had a federal law kind of, if not banning outright, then prescribing what taxpayer-funded stadium deals could actually be. And I'm a huge sports fan. I'm, I'm you know, I I, I go to City Field now. Shea was a dump, right? Shea was. Uh, I love Shea. Shea Stadium was like watching a baseball game in a sardine can next to an airport. That wasn't like City Field is much better, but it shouldn't have come out of the taxpayer money. It should have come out of the Will Ponds pocket.
1: But they had been ripped off by the Madoffs, so they couldn't do they that. Uh, yeah, owners, owners. Uh, those deals, once you get to that level of wealth, the sports deal in general is a sweetheart deal. But how do you feel as a lawyer about the Major League Baseball, since you mentioned the Mets, and I'm sorry about your fandom for the Mets, the antitrust exemption that Major League Baseball uh,
2: really, uh, I don't know, should they still be benefiting from that? Should they ever have been? So can I just say that I am like, as an African American, my favorite sport is baseball. It's like me and Chris rock. We're the only people left on this Island, right? Like lots of black people like worldwide, like, right. But like for like American born blacks, it's, it's, it's me and Chris rock. Um, it is, we are a dwindling breed. You, you so
1: and Chris rock are the only ones at, uh, at City field, watching a Mets game. You will not, you will look around and there will not be another black person there. It's just you and Chris rock.
2: And you know, like, you Know 10,000 Dominicans, but like me, Chris Rock, and 10,000 Dominicans from Queens. That's all <laughs> Um, look, the antitrust exemption was always stupid. Um, the so you know, we have an antitrust act that it prescribes how companies um can act, can act. and in 1922, baseball's anti baseball is uh sued for trust violations, and the Supreme Court this is not Congress, this is not, you know, this is not a president, the Supreme Court, which loved baseball, and there's a long connection between lawyers and baseball, um, rules that baseball is exempt from the Sherman Antitrust Act, because because they were putting on exhibitions. And as putting on exhibitions, they were somehow um, uh, uh, not involved in interstate commerce. So they ar- argued that the constitution did not provide the requisite regulational structure to regulate Major League Baseball. It is among the dumbest decisions in the history of the Supreme Court. I mean, not quite as dumb as Dred Scott or Plessy v. Ferguson, but you know, top 10. Like, <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs> um, so then it's been upheld you know, over the years In 1950, it was upheld again with the court, and this is a conservative argument that I don't agree with, with the court basically saying, yeah, we're the ones who created the antitrust exemption, but now because baseball relies on it so much, the only people that can overturn the antitrust exemption that we created would be an act of Congress, right? And that punts it to Congress, who then has to go out and be like, we're against baseball. And like people who vote in like, you know, various places are like, we wanna be for baseball, And so it just, it never happens, right? But because baseball is just straight up, not as popular as it used to be, I think there was a chance to finally get that congressional legislation Um, that would be needed to take away the antitrust exemption. Um, Bernie Sanders, uh, a senator from Vermont, um, introduced a bill last week to do just that because one of the things that baseball is doing with this antitrust exemption is that it's allowing it to basically regulate minor league baseball in ways that are just anti-competitive and wouldn't be allowed but for the antitrust exemption. The last thing I wanna say about this that's super important for people to understand, The other sports don't have, you know, football, basketball, they don't have antitrust exemptions. Okay, they seem to be doing fine. So why does baseball still need it? Well, the difference there, and I remember I said baseball is being allowed to regulate minor league franchises, right, in an anti-competitive way. NFL and NBA don't have to worry about regulating minor league franchises because they have the indentured servitude of college players. Right. So like NBA, NFL, they use college players as that thing, which the NCAA also is not subject to normal labor laws. Right. So all the sports leagues benefit from the lack of normal labor laws being applied to their minor league you know, uh, uh, offerings. It's just that baseball needs to do it through an antitrust exemption, whereas the NFL and NBA have the NCAA do it for.
1: Minor leaguers wouldn't have to be eating these flimsy cheese sandwiches and working at ridiculous wages while taking eight-hour bus rides and doing everything else if they didn't need to keep their costs down in the minor leagues and therefore treat their resources, their investments on who it is that's coming up Like something less than human or something less than bare minimum American workplace wages and rules.
2: And people need to remember that these are these are kids. You know, so many minor leaguers are drafted right out of high school. So you're talking about kids that don't have a college education and don't have and thus maybe don't know all their rights. But most importantly, B, aren't going to have a lot of skills. Um, to, to to go into the marketplace with, but for what baseball is providing them. Um, it, it's, 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 it's not great what we're doing at kids here um, through the minor league setup. And yes, you're exactly right. The, the, the need to keep costs down um, that that as opposed to have them fight in a competitive labor market is a key reason here.
1: Is that the worst of it, of the worst of the benefits or the most dehumanizing of the benefits that baseball gets from this antiquated legislation?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think so. Because, you know, I, there are people who will go like to town on like the baseball's apparel contracts and how they're able to, again, be anti-competitive at, on those. And like, that's an interesting kind of legal issue. But like, it's not human. Right. Like, I don't care who gets to sew the patch on the jacket. Right. I care much more about the 19 year old um, who, as you know, the articles have been saying, can't live on a literal cup of coffee.
1: You covered last week the Supreme Court confirmation hearings and a couple of different times trans athletes came up during those meetings and last week DeSantis here in my state decided to weaponize this as well all of a sudden people care about pen swimming Women swimming, competitive swimming. They care a great deal only because a trans athlete, Leah Thomas is uh, breaking some records in the events. Uh, and I've heard, I've heard, we talked about this some last week, the mainstream media and even the liberal left has sat out the sports issue of that, of a former man uh, competing against women and has allowed the other side to weaponize and freak show What is happening here as an issue about the fairness of sport when it's just another way to harm uh, a, a population of people who suffer disproportionately than the rest of us and are treated as less human than the rest of us statistically in every way. You make what of that making an appearance during the Supreme Court confirmation hearings?
2: Well, this, is again, to me, is an issue where, where Democrats are not doing a good good enough job fighting, right? That we're kind of ceding the culture war ground um, to Republicans who are making bad and bad faith arguments, right? It comes up at the confirmation hearings in a completely ridiculous way. It's not like the Supreme Court is going to decide who gets to go into a swimming competition, But the Supreme Court is going to get to decide whether or not laws apply equally, right? So they asked uh, 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 Judge Ketanji Brown Jackson um, what, what the constitutional definition of a woman was. She couldn't answer because the Constitution doesn't define what a woman is. It, the right wing tried to make it out like, oh, she couldn't answer what a woman was. No, that's not every. She could answer what a woman was. She couldn't answer the constitutional definition of a woman because it's not in the Constitution. You know, what is in the Constitution: equal protection of people. So as long as you think trans people are people, if you, as long as you get to the people thing, well then they are they are accorded equal protection of laws. Full stop. Period. End of sentence. Right. But again, that's a that's an argument the Democrats usually aren't didn't make in the hearing in her defense and generally don't make in the media. One of the things that we're seeing right now with the swimming case, with with the DeSantis um, ridiculousness is that too often the people who are left to fight people like Ron DeSantis are just the trans community, which is great, there are a lot of great activists there, but there's no reason why everybody else can't kind of join in in that defense. The idea that that seems to, to confuse people is that they seem to think that by being a trans person, what you really are is just some dude in drag who wants to go run a race, which is not what we're talking about here. It reminds me of the, there's an old South Park episode. I don't know if you watch South Park, but there's an old South Park episode where like Eric Cartman pretends to be mentally incapacitated so he can compete in the Special Olympics where he thinks he will be just a god. And of course he, he does, and he just gets his butt whooped because that's how sports work like it, like the, the 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 unfair advantage that people think you have from being a man in a woman's con- uh, competition does not take into account the fact that we actually don't know that you know what role testosterone plays in all athletic competitions i think there was a study that says it might be a 10% advantage in a straight kind of strength thing so like Perhaps in weightlifting, this would be important, but when you have any kind of finesse or skill, that advantage dissipates. Um, but people don't, people don't know these stats, they're not familiar with these studies, and they're thus uncomfortable kind of defending uh, uh, people, which is why I go back to the constitution. You don't have to know what I know. You don't have to be an expert on the biology of testosterone and its implication in a poll vault. All you have to know is that trans people are people and people get equal protection. If you just know that, then guess what? You're an ally and you can be an ally to this fight.
1: The name of the book is Allow Me to Retort. How did you find the writing process? Why did you write the book? What are the inspirations for it?
2: inspiration, you'll get this. Um, So one of my big, people are going to laugh at me because of where we are now in society, but like one of my big writing inspirations is actually Bill Simmons, like old school, like page page, uh, two, Bill Simmons, Um, because he wrote about sports kind of from the perspective of a fan, not from the perspective of an insider, but from a perspective of an interested party, right? Um, And I write about law like that as, as well, right? I kind of don't, I try not to write about it from the perspective of a legal insider expert who's sitting, right? I try to write about about it in kind of plain language so that everybody can understand it because, and this is why I wrote the book at all, I believe that if everybody understood the law, especially if everybody understood what the Supreme Court does, then everybody would care about it way more than they do. And at least some people, I, I would argue a majority of people, would be as interested in fighting for it as I am. The Supreme Court is the least understood branch of government, but just as powerful as Congress or as the other two, as Congress or the president. Right. So that that asymmetry needs to be matched. And Republicans get it right. Republicans do not know civics better than uh, Democrats. Right. But you go to any Republican on the street, you can go you can go to a tabernacle in Utah and you can find somebody who's just like, well, I don't. I, I got to have my gun, so so I need the need the Supreme Court, right? They know that, right? You you go to a Democrat, you go to a Democrat um, who's out on the protest lines protesting against gun violence. They don't know that you can't get anything done with guns. It doesn't matter what legislation you pass. You can't get anything done with guns if you don't have the Supreme Court. You can't get anything done with climate change unless you have the Supreme Court. You certainly can't get anything done with LGBTQ rights unless you have the Supreme Court. So I wrote the book to try to explain that to people not dumbing it down because that doesn't help anybody but in de jargonified language so people can understand it and and join me on the uh, in, in the battle
1: you're trying to be accessible right law can be law legalese you run into a lot of people and i i would imagine this happens all the time that your facility around some of this stuff can be overwhelming and so it i mean Dumbed down is insulting, but you are trying to make it more accessible. You're trying to make uh, haughty American principles and history something that doesn't have to be, you know, bored with uh, precedent setting talk
2: that has a lot of case study. Do you read Zach Lowe at all? Yes. So Zach Lowe is a former legal reporter, actually. He used to work for the American lawyer. And I always see that he uses those legal reporting skills in his in his writing, right? Because like when he's explaining a zone defense, he's he's yes, he's explaining it kind of at there's a technical level there right but he's explaining it in a way that you can understand it without being a coach right he's explaining it in a way that you can understand it as long as you've like played 2k like a couple of right and then, you're, you're, then you're there right um that's what i try to do with the law right like yes there's a technical level here but i'm trying to get it so that if you are a literate person who you know has read michael lewis or read you know Read Malcolm Gladwell, then you should probably read Chuck Klosterman. Then you should probably be able to understand my book, and 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 that's all I need in order to really kind of expand your understanding about the third branch of government in the Supreme Court. That's the goal. I don't I don't know if I always hit it, but like that's why I'm doing it.
1: You covered the extensively. You covered last week the Supreme Court confirmation hearing. Your takeaways from the way that all of that felt. Uh, <sighs>
2: It was disgusting, Dan. The they they here's a here's a woman who is at the top of her field and they Republicans spent most of the hearing trying to smear her as a supporter of pedophilia based on a cherry-picked few examples. I think it was like they were focusing on 5 cases out of 575 cases she's decided over the course of her nine year career on the bench to say nothing of the, the larger career in the legal profession. And you have to, you know, QE know who benefits? Why were they doing, why were they doing that? Were they doing that to stop her? No, she's not going to be stopped like this. She's going to, She's going to be on the Supreme Court. Were they doing that to, to, to change? It's not she's not going to change the balance of power on the, on the Supreme Court. They were doing it to score political points in their eventual campaigns for president because they understand rightly, unfortunately, that calling people pedophiles and calling people you know, supporters of critical race theory riles up their sick, vicious base the QAnon base is titulated by these kinds of allegations and that, and, and, and inspired um, by these kinds of allegations. And that's who the Ted Cruz's and Josh Hawley's and Tom Cotton's of the world, that's who they were playing towards. I, 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 was, I, was, I was grossed out, frankly, by the way they handled that hearing last week, but you know, I wasn't surprised. Right. Because you, you you can never be surprised anymore. The last thing that, he did that, that I think is, is something that that didn't get enough kind of coverage in real time. The Republicans justify these attacks on on Kataji Brown Jackson because of what they say. They said what happened to Brett Kavanaugh? What happened? as if it was a passive thing, as if we didn't all see a woman stand up in, the, in their face and accuse him of attempted rape while they were in high school in front of the entire world in a very believable sense, as if that didn't happen, right? So, so, so as if the Democrats cooked up an allegation to... Lodge against Brett Kavanaugh that had nothing, no basis in reality. It's it, So not only were they smearing Jackson, they were continuing their now four-year-long crusade to rehabilitate Brett Kavanaugh without ever actually conducting an investigation into the allegations against him. So the whole thing was gross, but again, not, not surprising. And I don't think it's going to hurt her. We, we, we don't know yet what the final vote tally will be. I think it will go to the Senate uh, full Senate um, next week. I think end of this week, early next week, I think. Um, but I don't expect any Democrats to, 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 to lose faith. I think she's going to be confirmed.
1: Ellie, thank you for being on with us, sir. We appreciate it. We will do it again.
2: Thank
0: you so much for having me. Let's go Mets. A lot has changed over the years, but one thing that hasn't, the great taste of Miller Lite. Man, we was just watching Celtics versus Nuggets last night. And the catalyst to the party, the vibe, the vibe changer, the mood increaser, was the Miller Lite cooler in the middle of the living room. Salute to Miller Lite, man. And when you're out having a great time, oh my goodness, you want to reach for a beer that's reliable. And I cannot name, think of, or even ponder a more reliable beer than Miller Lite. Can you dig it? Times change, but you can always enjoy the great taste of Miller Lite. Hmm. Taste like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash beach. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Yiddick!